0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Think Forward podcast. I am your host, Abel Janelle, executive director, one-third of a founder of Project Think Forward. We are back for episode seven. I have the wonderful Alex Sanchez in the building with us once again. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hello, hello. Today, before we begin But today we are talking men and fathers But I did want to go ahead and just give a little update From last week uh, with our therapist Shane You guys raved and had a great time with that addictions episode So I do want to give a big shout out and applause for Shane Shane will be back on the podcast very very soon Love them, love that guy. love having a male figure as well. You
1: know, Ooh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: it's, a, it's a nice change of pace. Um, let me talk about the week a little bit. Let me see how was your week?
1: It's been a, a great week, it's a very busy week, busy but i'm big good. I'm excited to get into this topic more specifically. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like the last time we we talked about you know women and mothers course i can understand that relate to that and so this time i'm very curious you know to get another male's perspective regarding this you know before i even come i'm gonna ask those who are kind of close to me any perspective and feedback so i'm very curious to be able to go over that with you and see your feedback on it as well
0: definitely and i am excited to kind of chime in and you know give my own perspective as far as my own experiences and things like that uh this week yeah has been a very busy one uh a lot of rain over here, which can definitely affect the moods and things like that. Right. So a lot of rain. I mean, you wake up, there's rain. You go to sleep, there's rain. But it's just like all through the day, which has kind of made me kind of bland with going to the gym and things like that. But I've been pushing through, which is what we gotta do take it every day you know day by day as I tell a lot of my friends and family you know every day is one less day every day is you know a chance to make a difference in any aspect of your life so mm. that's how I do kind of take it I do wanna before we begin give a nice big shout out to uh, Avalon Park pretty usual for the space and the studio and the love and the promotion and the endless care that they give to us we love you so much Avalon Park we look forward to the future doing a lot of great things together now now let us begin with the men and fathers aspect right so a few weeks ago we spoke about you know women and daughters the sort of effect on um as it kind of has for like the uh you know birthing kind of like how women are raised societal views workplace right so a lot of different things that we kind of tied in which you know got a lot of great feedback so to kind of flip it and on the you know, opposite side of the coin for men and for fathers, um, where do you kind of want to start in that aspect?
1: So let's just go back, starting with that definition of shame. So Brene Brown defines shame as intense feelings, painful feelings of believing that we are unworthy of love and belonging, a fear of disconnection that something we've done or failed to do, or an ideal that we have not lived up to, making us unworthy of connection. Right? This is that guilt versus shame guilt is i have done something bad that's a lot more action based where shame is there's innately something wrong with me your characteristic that's something a little more complex to change right right? and so according to her studies right this is kind of where where the conversation is really stepping off from it's what are the research studies showing about the sex roles found that are most important attributes associated with being masculine. And this is what her results found. Winning. They need to show emotional control. This is where, say, like crying. They want to want to see something like crying. You're not showing emotional control. Okay. Right? Risk taking. Believing that men really should be taking more risk.
0: Hmm.
1: Self-reliance, that they need to be able to depend on themselves, that they're strong, you know, tough, that they can handle their themselves, right? Selves, yeah. right? Um, primacy of work, kind of that head of household responsible for the earning the I- income Red and providing, kind of right? right. Um, a disdain for homosexuality or feminine activities. So this is like, we wouldn't want somebody to sew or... Things of that sort that there's been a lot of. Kind
0: of like feminine, more or more feminine in the eyes of.
1: Right. How we hear society often hear things like, oh, you're being gay or, oh, uh you're gay, right? That's kind of what they're referring to in this disdain for homosexuality. Got you. Right? Violence, dominance, power over women, and pursuit of status, right? And many of what these men also describe shame looking like, it's shame is failure at work, on the football field, in your marriage, in the bed, in money, with your children. It, it does not matter what you're doing, shame is failure. Shame is being wrong, not doing it wrong, but being wrong. Shame is a sense of being defend- defective. Shame happens when people think you're soft. It's degraded, degrading and shaming, being seen as anything but tough. Revealing any weakness is shame. Basically, shame is weakness. Showing fear is shameful. You can't show fear. You can't be afraid, no matter what. Shame is being seen as the guy who can be shoved against the locker. Our worst fear is being criticized or ridiculed. Either one of these is extremely shaming for us. Hmm. Right. So hearing that, that that's what society often deems as important to being seen as masculine, as male. Right. How do you feel hearing that yourself?
0: Um, so a lot of it, you know, like you said, sounds like a lot of uh, egotistical kind of things, you know, like it's more so how we feel. In ourselves, you know what I mean? You know, how society or people might look at us. Mm-hmm. So, um I mean, personally, how I feel, it's, like I said, the, a few of these points, they sound like a lot of the old school traditional way that life was kind of, you know, ran or how it, you know, was thought to be ran for men or women, you know, kind of growing up. Right. Um I mean, I can say personally, you know, I, I am thankful daily that I wasn't raised in like the 50s or like the 40s because I feel like a lot of the things even that I find, you know, enjoyable in my life uh wouldn't be accepted or they might look at me a certain way, right? Right. Um I mean that's just, you know, doing my nails or things like that. So, you know, personal care or even personal hygiene that I'm, you know, very very big on, um uh, even now to this day people don't see that as something that's manly or, you know, it's looked at a certain way. Right. Um so I mean, it does kind of <laughs> make me feel how does it make you feel. It uh, does kind of make me feel that at least now we're taking some steps in the right direction or mm-hmm. in, a, in a different kind of direction. Right. Um, towards, you know, anything is possible. There's no right or wrong way to kind of do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I can't imagine the millions of people that came before me that were raised a certain way and now they're grandparents, great-grandparents. Right. That have like that old soup kind of like traditional style. You know, if you're, a certain uh, ethnicity you have to be with that same ethnicity and things like that so just like in that kind of scope or even you know now i I go to the gym and you know some guys see my nails and they give me a weird look i'm like like, what's the issue here just to show you that even in my day-to-day life something as small as that is huge to different people that you meet and i mean granted these are people that i don't know but you know, you don't know who you're going to meet or see out out there in the uh, in the world. So it is kind of I don't want to say frustrating, but it, it is kind of frustrating. Sort of say that I can't walk into a store maybe or mm-hmm. let's say like a surplus store. Right. Or I, right. I can't walk into like a body shop or maybe somewhere like that without getting like a second look from somebody because. This is, you know, we're in men territory And, you know, you shouldn't do your nails And, oh, you know, while your hand's all clean And lotioned up, like, it's okay like. so
1: people don't know what your hands look like maybe we <laughs> <you> should clarify <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> that his his hands are just very maintained and right. healthy right <laughs> aka they are not cracked uh, yeah. they look clean and they only have a simple clear coat of polish on a few it clear coats
0: like. but yeah a few of them. Uh, i but mean yeah. still
1: it's not like you're you're even wearing my nails, right, right, I was like, "Let me paint the pictures yeah, so we, right. we all make sure to understand what's even occurring." Definitely, when you're getting these sideways looks for something as simple as a clear coat of nail polish, right? Yeah, right? very
0: true. There's no acrylic or anything <clears throat> on my nails. It's just a heads up for anybody.
1: And this is where immediately my thoughts go to hearing this is toxic masculinity, right? So. How many of these views, like you said, are, are things that have been just carried with what, what we're told men look like, right. right? And a lot of what Brene Brown starts going into some of her research is how men and women are also different in how we process our sense of shame and how men are taught a lot of these traits and characteristics such as violence, power, winning, right? right? At, at all cost, any cost, Right. And how oftentimes then they, they're they able to take those shame messages that they've received and transition that into the ability to work or in anger. Yeah. Right? Because they're told as men, you can't be sad, you can't be weak, but you can be angry, you, you can be violent, you can be powerful, right? but you can't be weak.
0: Yeah, you're not able to cry or show emotion or... You know, don't let just like you said, any type of quote unquote sign of weakness, which I don't even agree that crying or something like that is a sign of weakness. It's a sign of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Right. Which I definitely agree with. But uh, the old traditional way as, you know, crying or maybe showing some type of emotion equals weakness is, you know, it's not something that we do agree with or even that I kind of see in that sort of aspect. So. Uh last week, we used the word conditioning, you know mm-hmm. um where we, as in men or women or anybody, are conditioned a lot when we're just kind of growing up, you know certain things that are right and wrong and things like that, right, so even the sort of conditioning for you know when you're a uh, little boy and you have like your father, a lot of times you know you'll fall, scrape your knee, and they'll say, "Hey, you know, get up, like you're fine. on, yeah, it. like you know, don't cry." have some dirt on it. Yeah, like <laughs> like you know, don't don't uh, cry, like you're fine, you know, like man up. If you're not a, a little girl, right? So these kind of terms uh they're already kind of conditioning us early on about oh, like, uh, you know, I'm not a girl, you know. Or even in today's day and age, you know, we'll say different things like why are you acting like such a girl mm-hmm. right when somebody's being emotional, you right. know, or you know, why are you acting like a press or you know why are you so sensitive you know these different words right, where it's like right. what makes and breaks sensitive and why is sensitivity always kind of uh, shielded more towards women mm-hmm. right
1: and this is i think even with the research what she's talking about about that disdain for homosexuality and it, it's kind of been interesting even in my practice alone in counseling for some time it's I, i've even met people where it they don't mind individuals having their choice in a partner, right? They're like male, female, I don't care. But they do admit sometimes struggling with somebody else's choice in that, right? And a lot of it when they sit and start processing it, it's not really my feelings or emotions, but it's what I grew up learning. I was told this was bad, that this was wrong, right? And so even struggling with, I have this feeling, feelings that it's it's not correct but i also know logically that's not how i necessarily feel right and so we are seeing such transitions i think in in how individuals are processing things and i think it's also a great topic considering we're in pride month right now
0: right definitely pride month we have father's day coming up this sunday Mm um a big shout out to all the present fathers out there you know we can't relate but you know we do want to give a shout out to you guys Um, so yeah, so that is a kind of a good sort of topic to kind of transition to and kind of what we're, you know, talking about in that aspect of kind of how you said it with her research and things like that. So I know that we are seeing a difference between millennial men, you know, Gen X men boomers. So like the different kind of, uh, year gaps, you know, from when you were born, raised, taught the different kind of traditions. Um, just to be clear, M- millennial is what, starting 96, right? Or 95?
1: And this is where there's a lot of controversy right. when it comes to that. I mean, millennials are considered one of the largest brackets. Uh, and we're talking about, I mean, they're trying to break millennials into subcategories as well. So it's. it's-
0: oh, it says here M- millennials is 1981 and on. Let's see. Yeah, so it says that they started 1981 uh, and then it uh, up until the early 2000s as the ending birth year. So between, yes, between 1981 to about 2000, um, with 1981 to 96 being a widely accepted defining range for for the generation. So we can call it between pretty much like 1980 to about 2000, roughly, so about 20 years. Uh, which I do kind of agree with because uh, I was born in the latter of that, obviously. But I do, there was always a kind of confusion of am I millennial or what is the other one? Um,
1: it's Gen, Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen X,
0: right, 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 something like that. I don't so know which one it is? Yeah, I I think the there was always kind of a ladder of that. But even you know I have some friends who were born in like the early nineties, right? Mm-hmm. And even their traditions are super different like we have the same exact area of upbringing the same kind of uh family home setting you know siblings that kind of same ethnicity but this five-year gap is just like oh that's not right Or right five (laughs) years is you know it's a long time but it's not really a long time when you look in the sense of um evolving you know as far as we go for humans or animals or anything nature five years of evolvement is not really that much time well, let's
1: just look, I mean, from the 90s to just simply the 2000s, right? right? How much growth did we see in technology alone? I remember the being the kid who who walked around with the tape player, then yeah. the CD player, you know, then the Walkman. And yeah. really seeing that technological age just really advance in a matter of 10 years. Yeah, right?
0: honestly. I right? Wasn't... So how
1: does that affect us as a whole? Right. Because I also see somebody say, like, my siblings, Right, I, I'm at, in '93. I have a brother in '95 and '97. Right, even seeing '95 to '97, just that two year difference right. in between my siblings alone is different. And then just to, to jump to my little sister, then that's a whole nother gap in, in itself.
0: In <laughs> gap. Yeah, I have a niece, or she's not even a she's a cousin. But she was born in 2005, and so there's about a 10 year gap between us, and it's just like night and day. Like right. It's, I, I'm having a convo. I'm like, dang, am, am I the old? You know, like, am, am I the old cousin now? Like, am I that guy where, you know, like, I gotta, you know, give money or like whatever it is? But I'm trying to talk to her and you know relate, you know, because mm-hmm. I am relatable. But she's talking about, and I'm just like, what is this verbiage you're using? What are these hand motions that you're using? <laughs> nah, I'm,
1: are- I'm a complete old lady. <laughs> no shame in it. Uh, I lovingly always joked with my mom about how. She always acts way older than she is as you you know right, my right. mother's actually quite young right, exactly. but then I, I can't say anything here I am doing the same thing I exactly. feel like I'm much older than I really am right. but I, I, mean, I am actually much younger
0: <laughs> I even feel like over maybe the last two years and I, again that is sort of uh environment kind of playing on us because right. you know over the last two years I mean I can just say personally you know I've you know it's been you know my own kind of home setting not living with family, or it's been about three years, but not living with family, like my own kind of home setting, okay, I can kind of set up the house how I like to. I can kind of see the, like, the routine that I like to keep as far as how I do the dishes. Do I wash them? Do I, like you know, put them in the dishwasher? Different things like that, where I'm just like, I don't want to hear loud music at my neighbor's house, or you know, (laughs) like something (laughs) that's minor. Where just a few years ago, I was the one making the loud noises. So it's right. It definitely, I do think that uh, environment definitely plays a major toll and a major kind of aspect on it. Of course, as as far as how we sort of grow mentally and physically, because I do believe that growing mentally and physically is two different speeds, Mm -hmm. like completely. Um, I've never, the only reason people knew I was young when I was little was because I was, like, my body was actually, like, small. Like, I had, like, mm-hmm. a small frame. But when they were like, oh, he, you know, he's still probably 15. No, I was 10. I was, you know, 10, 12. They thought I was 17, 18 and right. so on and so forth. So that, that definitely has a, a kind of, you know, play on it there. Um, I do want to kind of jump in with how you said the men and the fathers, um, sort of caveat, because I can relate to this specific scenario um how kind of men are raised when there's a father present and then when they're raised by the mother right Uh, absolutely because i was completely raised by women so i have a like a very different scope and we can definitely get into that you know after the fact but so i you know i didn't even have i i had a male cousin who helped uh raise me he's maybe about 10 years older than me or eight years older than me. So mm-hmm. he did, you know, we used to hang out a lot when I started becoming like 15, 16. But up until then, it was, you know, my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, all women. So I never had a sort of stern like when you shave or right. when you're going out for sports teams or when you're, you know, trying to have the talk or things like that. I had them from a women's point of view, Right. right. So I always understood women a lot differently versus, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a sort of kind of caveat concept with like how men perceive women to be, right? Oh, right. this is like the right way to do it with girls. Whereas mm-hmm. I, I got an actual female perspective, like, you know, like, listen, like women don't like that, you know, women like this from an actual female. Right. her whole like, life. wow, she actually knows what she's talking about. She was once this high school girl before. <laughs> and She can kind of relate.
1: You mean they? they really know?
0: Right. So that was I always had a cheat code just kind of growing up just if, if it was even like becoming friends as far as like how I speak to women or anything like that I always had a sort of softer touch as far as how I can kind of relate because mm-hmm. I was always taught like this is right. you know this is how we do it as women and that can kind of correlate that down the line.
1: So just going based solely off of that alone, right? Talking going back to to something as simplistic as the nails, right? I know From my mother, that's something she's always taught my brothers as well. It's good to keep good hygiene, keep good clean nails. If you need to put a nice clean clear coat on your nails and protect your nail, that's what you need to do, right? And I think of all of that, that's coming directly from my own mother, right? right? And do you find that that then affects your view? Because I know others who have heard my, my mother say those things to my brothers, they would go, oh, that's gay. Don't tell your boys to be doing something gay like that. Right. Right. So do you think that perspective comes from having a mother figure or was that something you kind of just developed solely on your own?
0: So the nail thing specifically is something that I developed solely on my own because I actually bit my nails up until I was um, uh, maybe 19, honestly, or 18 years old. But Mm -hmm. I had a job where I was surrounded by a lot of older women Uh and I was like. They don't want to, they're not trying to talk to me with, you know, like my nail bits half chewed up. So that was something that I sort of picked up. But the actual habit of biting my nails, my mother always told me, you know, you shouldn't do that. You know, it's not healthy and it doesn't look good. But she never kind of pushed the whole, you know, nail kind of thing on me. That was something that I picked up that I learned, oh, I actually like this a lot. You know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of therapeutic for me. Right. And that's when I kind of started I don't want to say experimenting because I wasn't, but like, you know, doing even like my feet or maybe getting, um, massages more or like things of like that, like things that That's typically, like the self care nature that typically men don't ever give ourselves enough time for, or think thing that we don't even need it okay. when, we, when we actually do, especially, and I mean, I, my, my mother, you would always say, um, that I'm too pretty to work like a labor job, right? I was never one to labor as far as hammering things or drilling things right but um i had a job where i worked in valet and i used and i worked that job for like a year but i was you know 16 hours a day just doubles and just running and like a lot of up and down and busting my butt right i was like 16 years old i was very young um just really just taking it and then it was around then that i was like no i could really use like a massage or just like a just like a little zen mode and I brought it up to a, f- a few friends of mine at the job and some older guys and they were like, Oh, like that's for females, like, oh, like
1: uh-huh. you're
0: soft and I'm like, I just don't wanna get a massage, man. I just I feel like, like my
1: body's hurting, like my, okay? Like, like,
0: like I'm sore, man. Like why so I need
1: my food rub.
0: Even right, even as early as that, even as early as that kinda of transpired, um, and it was already kind of conditioning from older guys that were maybe raised a certain way Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how much pain you're in like suck it up deal with it and i'm and even then it was kind of conditioning me that i'm like man i don't need that it's okay but obviously i started you know nobody's gonna shield or change my opinion but talking to you now about it i'm realizing that i was already in that environment and these are all guys from different ethnicities black white spanish even asian Mm -hmm. that were like no that's for women. That's for girls. Oh no! Like, right? Like you're weak, or or you know, stop crying about it. You know, what I'm just like after like a long day. I'm like, damn man. You know, like I'm super sore. Oh, stop! You know, crying about it. You know, if you want to be a female, go home and you know, stop working. Like, and again, it was all playful, but it's coming from some type of some type of actual way that you think. So, and it has to come from somewhere as far as you right. were raised.
1: And I think that goes back to those shame messages, right? and we talk about men and women ex- women experiencing shame differently you know where shame for men is often have to do with that that fear of being seen as weak or fear of being a failure fear of rejection for being defective that there again it goes back to something innately in me is is wrong you're rejecting me because of me as a person i'm a failure because of who i am right not because of what i've done but uh, of innately who I am. And this is where it's so easy to turn a message to something that that's shaming. Right. And we, we talk about those habits. We end up building up how much of it are we the ones sometimes even switching some of those messages to be shaming. Right. In in this scenario, in, in a way that that's men throwing on their shame onto you. Right. For you, you. And I think it's even great that you use the word experimenting. Right, that that was the I think a great word to show that you also had to go through your own process of, of figuring out who you were and if right. you were willing to even accept their messages of shame. For you you finally got to a point that it's I don't care how you see I need a massage, my body hurts, I don't care, I'm not gonna let you shame me for doing something right. I need for me. Right. Right? And you didn't allow that toxic masculinity in into your life, really, it sounds like. Right. But how much do we find that sometimes we we call that the the locker room talk or the boy talk? And Uh we we talk so harshly to one another. But how are we then cultivating a toxic masculinity in general? Right.
0: And that and that kind of also I think it also kind of stems from uh, is insecurity the correct word here to kind of use. Like maybe they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. You know, again, we'll just keep using the nail reference Mm -hmm. um maybe walking into a nail salon by themselves you know they feel like they're being judged is this sort of some things that what it seems like they're they're kind of pushing this negative narrative narrative from themselves onto somebody else because they feel too shy or too kind of judgy to even go through it by themselves
1: uh, and and we do find that with shame. If I have a shame, how likely am I going to take my shame and to project it onto somebody else? Mm-hmm. And that's whether male or female, right? So say I'm a female who's insecure about my body, right? If I'm not cautious, say I'm a mother who's insecure about my body, I can go, honey, my, my say I have a daughter, honey, you need to watch your weight. You need to watch what you're eating. You right. need to how much am I taking my shame, what I'm experiencing and pushing it on to somebody else and telling them how they need to live their life. And what subconscious messages are they right. taking from that? Right. Uh, I, I saw this post and I, I wonder how much they, again, there are positives and negatives in each of it. And right. the post goes, um, the good thing is that women have such high expectations of men that it inspires us to live up to them. And that's what I've learned about the male and female relationship. You know, and in some ways, I do think for some individuals that's really good. But at what point do we say our expectations are also too high that that we can't even allow our males to step up to that expectation, leaving them constantly feeling like a failure, like they're right. not winning, that they're not succeeding. and that, not doing At enough. what point, yeah, does is it not worth even trying then and just giving up? Right. In Brene's Brown, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly, she gives a great example about a, a man who came even talk to and question her kind of about shame in men. Right. And points out the fact of the matter is you guys don't want to see us as imperfect. Basically, I need to be the the knight in shining armor. I can't be imperfect. I can't be vulnerable. I can't tell you I'm hurting. Because then I'm not the strong person you feel like I need to be. I'm not the man you you need me to be.
0: Right. Like the strong willed uh, can kind of take all the hits and all the damage and everything, you know, like for the whole situation. But, like, you know, when is it okay for me to be, you know, upset or crying or, you know, hurt from work? Or when can I be down because I'm, you know, having to take in everything that comes from you while also being strong? Um, when am I able to feel or have time to feel, and when is it okay for, for right. me to feel? Uh, that is actually a really good point. It's a little gym right there. <laughs> Love that. You know, we got some new sound effects in the uh, in the podcast room. I've been listening. We all got some new sound effects. So this is going to be our gym sound effect. Just FYI for anybody listening out there. But yeah, so I do think that that is a good point that you brought up because it is true. Men sometimes don't feel. Or don't feel comfortable enough, even if they're married for X amount of years, even with their family or you know, even with their close friends, right? To be vulnerable,
1: absolutely,
0: right? They might be having a very hard time at work, struggling, um, you know, just a lot of a lot of you know stress on them coming from different angles and want to break down and cry, but got to muscle through it, and and they have no the one to kind of turn to, not because they don't physically have the support system there. But they don't feel comfortable enough to kind of look, quote-unquote, weak, for lack of a better word, in these sort of situations.
1: Right. And I think it's it's not just that alone. I think they're, it's important to recognize, too, the difference in men and, and women, male and female, and how they're looking at their mental health as well. Right? We do hear from men a lot more frequently than women that they are less likely to go get counseling. Right? A lot of them have been told that go go drink, go do something else, go figure it out, right? You don't need that. that that's being weak. Well, somehow vulnerability has been equated to weakness when in the grand scheme of things, right? You're a musician at heart, Abel, right? And so when you get up on that stage, is it sometimes fear-inducing to get up there and play a whole set? Yeah.
0: Right? Uh, yeah, definitely
1: for sure. Right. The funny thing is the crowd often is completely unaware of it. They're completely unaware of that. You get up, you do your thing. You can potentially even mess up because they right. often don't even know what it's no. supposed to potentially even be sounding like. They don't at all. Right. But it's it's us who comes up on the stage to expose ourselves to be open to the rejection, to being told we're wrong, that we're bad. Right. That That's a very bold move. That's not weak at all, and so no, I, I struggle either, to sometimes yeah. understand how they became so equated.
0: And it's actually a good kind of uh, a good sort of contradiction to, to kind of give because that is true. You know, you are in that sort of aspect as me. You know, like you're on stage in front of all these people, and you know you are taking the chance and you are sort of quote unquote being vulnerable. But even when it comes to let's say you know business or even how we're kind of doing things with the. Uh, Foundation, you know, uh, like we're putting ourselves, you know, in the public eye, you know, for this right cause and for this right thing with the possibility that, you know, it may not go the way that we want it to go, but us just just taking the chance in that sort of aspect that's us being vulnerable, you know, opening up the, the door, the swinging door or the revolving door to a bunch of people for them to judge or critique or right the way that we might do things. And this could be adopted in any sort of situation as far as anybody that owns a business or even at work, you know, when you're trying to get that promotion, you're opening up the door to be judged and criticized. And you have to sort of just kind of take that and sort of kind of have thick skin. So in this sort of aspect, it's, adoptive and it is more so in male and you know son kind of aspect but it can be adopted in any sort of gender right it's not just limited but that is even another kind of way to put it in the professional aspect of things
1: right and this is where again it's how much have we told our males what what's weak what's masculine you know and this is where after talking to Men of different age groups and stuff, a, a lot of them are talking that they are seeing these shifts. That, and, and I would wonder how much of it is to the advancement in technology, how many individuals have also been raised by single mothers or split households, right? Or even someone like my brother Jorge talks about um, the red pill theory or like the matrix theory, right? You have the option. You you have the red pill or the blue pill. The red pill is going to open up your eyes to everything. The blue pill is choosing to stay in ignorance and, and not see it. To to choose to stay, and I think really maybe to tie the two. It's, it's holding on to those aspects and saying, I don't want to change. I'm not going to be open-minded, and right. this is who I am, and that's it. And everybody needs to work out of this context where – that's choosing to live in ignorance and ignorance can be bliss because you can ignore what you don't know, what you're choosing to not know. But once you are aware, once you can see different sides and perspectives, it's a lot harder than at that point, right? It, it does force you to sometimes look at things and decide what you really feel for yourself. And this is where I think having spoke to different men at different age groups, we are saying that some of them are still struggling with the feelings of it, feeling sometimes maybe uncomfortable right. with different individuals' sexuality. But they are finding that, that that's not really my viewpoint, and I'm okay because that that's not my world. I can hold enough space for you to be you and for me to be me. And I don't need you to be anybody than who you are, and that's okay.
0: Right. And I think that's something that I am also kind of seeing to be true to this day where it's like, Somebody may not have the same sort of viewpoints on things that I have, right? Mm -hmm. But my thing is, in the past, why is it that you have, you know, somebody has to be so vocal and negative to somebody else's viewpoints Mm -hmm. just because you don't believe in, hey, whatever I believe in, you know, it's my choice, whatever it is. But I do feel it's right that, you know, Steven, Tim, and John can agree and pick and choose whatever they. They want to do. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't, you right. know, shake my own world up or my own life. So what's mm-hmm. what's the problem with everybody kind of coexisting in, in that sort of aspect of right? Everybody has different decisions and choices and whatever it is that they want to do. Um,
1: Absolutely right.
0: Like because again, this was back to saying who's to say who's right and who's wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is not math where it's you're going to get the same answer each time at the end of it, but. Who's to say that this is right and this is wrong? But This goes back to the conditioning with how people are raised in different areas or countries or even states.
1: Right. And this is where I would really just want to stress then the importance of it, it, men. If you need help, if you need a place that you can just get away and talk things that are going on in your mind, in your life with somebody who's completely objective, third party, consider it, you know our men go through things just as much as our women go through too. Right. I mean, how many single fathers are out there? How many fathers come and step up? I think of somebody like my stepdad, Thomas, my stepdad, Thomas Flynn stepped in and he took on kids who weren't his, Mm. you know, he was willing to step up to the plate with kids that were already growing, who had certain habits and developments that he was willing to come in and, and also give that fatherly figure that fatherly advice too. And I think it's so important that we we stress the importance that our our men have in our lives, and also recognize because of their strengths that we need to be strong for them too.
0: Exactly. I want to give a shout out to Tim. Oh, his name is Thomas, or is Tim? Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> A shout out to Thomas and all the, you know, supportive dads out there that obviously do come into situations where, like you said, you know, there's a bunch of different souls that are already born. They have their own habits already. And again, they're not even from the same bloodline where where we might have the same kind of habits Mm -hmm. Um, to to come in and kind of take that on and kind of, you know, be a part of it and treat them as your own. It doesn't go unnoticed and it definitely is not hard. I would say it's. Up there with you know motherhood nothing combats you know motherhood obviously but <laughs> i would say it's out there pretty close with it because i mean that's i can only imagine the sort of task that that is um in itself right um and i mean again, i'm not too sure when he came into you guys life, but i would say even at three or four years old five like the the person the baby's already kind of walking talking things like that and now you, you know here comes this stranger and you're sort of Adopting it as your own and trying to teach it right from wrong and things, and, you know, mm-hmm. give it the good qualities and things like that. So, definitely. Um, I, another point that I did want to touch uh, when you said that, you know, men go through certain things, you know, almost as much as women do. Um, I think even the battle of being masculine daily is, right. a, is a strong stress that people don't even realize. Right. Right. And I say that in the sense of, you know, you go to work, you come home, you're on the way home, right, and uh, somebody cuts you off and is, you know, waving the finger at you and this and that, and, you know, now you got to be the tough guy, right, and, you know, just kind of get on them and, you know, like, show them who's boss, quote-unquote, like, and be the alpha male in, in, in his aspect where and it doesn't have to be like that, right. but that's kind of how we're trained and conditioned or... When you're out with your family, maybe at a theme park and somebody cuts you in line,
1: um, right. you, got,
0: you, you, you can't let somebody, because you, you now have people who are looking to you as, you know, you're the alpha, you're the one that protects us, you know, like the kids and the wife, something as minor as the cutting in line thing, which it doesn't make or break anybody, granted, it's, it, it's not right, but now you're having to show that masculine sign, and you kind of have to always be on alert, quote unquote, and kind of always... I don't want to say fight or flight, but always kind of ready to go in that in that sort of aspect. And that's a job yeah. in itself. Like, that's a insane job in itself.
1: Absolutely. And this is where, again, how much do we expect our men to be like that, to, to react that way? You know, I mean, how much do we even see it on, on television where, you know, somebody was taught, why didn't you go and fight with the person who was hitting on your girlfriend, you know? Um, I mean, so many different characteristics when there's so many different ways of, of handling things. I think even somebody like my fiance, probably one of the most attractive things that he did when, when first meeting him, we we're going out, hanging out with new friends, right? It's, he didn't get defensive when people would approach me. It's just kind of like, hey, nope, here, you, you want a drink? Go take a drink. Go away. <laughs> right. But it wasn't. Back up my territory right, right right, you know and and there's so many different ways that we can be approaching things that still get us the same end results without producing so much more of a ruckus violence right, right. that outburst that I think maybe we're told that's okay, but does it produce the results we want
0: exactly and you and you mentioned the thing uh territory. Um, I did actually like that a lot because I think as men, we're conditioned sort of in the animal aspect of territory, you know, like right. this is mine, you know, Uh perfect example is a girlfriend or a wife or a fiance or anything. Technically they don't belong to you, right? They're they're (laughs) not your, like,
1: (laughs) no, no, they don't.
0: (laughs) They're not your actual property, but there's a sort of sense of. Mine. Like mine, you know, (laughs) like this belongs to me. And I know that some women say, you know, oh, like it's sexy when they, man, like when guys get all macho and tough, but how you said, you know, he, that your fiance doesn't get territorial, Right. I think that that sort of speaks to. Uh, I say this word. I think that that sort of speaks to his confidence in himself. One and two, in and you and oh, in, yeah. <laughs> in, and in you guys, right? Right. So, I think that that's even a whole different level of sort of kind of understanding you as a man, right? Because mm-hmm. i I'm sort of the, like the same in that aspect as to whereas, you know, if men or you know anybody's looking at my uh, girlfriend wherever we are i must be doing something correct right so it's it's not a negative connotation if if people are looking i mean that's that's a good thing obviously with respect so i think that that sort of even speaks to a more so high higher look at how he treats things and i mean this could be any guy but how he sort of treats things uh from a man's perspective in this day and age right right it it doesn't always and i mean nobody was being rude to you or anything so it doesn't always have to jump to something negative it could be uh oh they're hitting on you well yeah you know she's with me but by all means you know walk away and like do obviously with the correct respect and boundaries but again that sort of speaks to a i think a different level of maturity and masculinity as we see in today's day and age
1: right and this is where at the end of the day what we're looking at is What do we see a society saying what is masculine, right? Now, we also want to look at at what point is it, again, shame-based messages. And when we're working out of shame-based messages, that is something that's going to cause insecurities. that's going to cause us to feel those sense of being rejected, that sense of fear. And when we're working out of fear, when we're working out of rejection, how much are we working more from a defensive approach? And oftentimes we find sometimes our coping mechanisms don't really produce the results we really want. they're often there to defend us and protect us, but just because we're we're stopping stopping an argument doesn't mean that that was always the the best scenario sometimes it's good that we're arguing and and getting conflict and resolution in our relationships right so there's a lot of different aspects to to be considering, and I think it's the, the men who really grow and mature start questioning those reactions, right? If I'm reacting out of je- whoa, this is jealousy. We all know, like, yeah. to be overly jealous, where is that coming from? What is what's occurring there? Insecurity, and, and at what point can you be secure in yourself and secure then within your relationship? That it's, I trust her, I know she knows how to handle herself, right? Uh, she trusts me, and I know how to handle myself, and we're gonna go take care of our business
0: right and i think that a lot of times that also comes with age more so half the time mm-hmm. like you know you'll see a lot of you know anybody men and women you know for you know 30 40 50 years old it's like they've kind of went through these situations so it's sort of like they've had the time to deal with it the wrong way and they've kind of dealt with it oh yeah like the right <laughs> way, and you know now they're at that age where it's like Listen, man, you know, like we've been together for X amount of plus years. It, it's okay. I, right. I know what's going on. Whereas you might have somebody my age who's, you know, 21, 22, that's just like, oh, no, like, you know, like, like they're testing me or something like that. When it's not always that. You know what I right. mean? But I do think that with what you're saying, it, some, it a lot of times come with age. But if you're lucky enough, you can kind of learn it and inhabit it at a lot earlier age so you can kind of avoid a lot of negative things that might kind of come with certain consequences of your actions or things like that
1: that's i think coming with that sense of maturity and healing being willing to look at what are the negative reactions we also hold within our relationships
0: do you think that maturity and masculinity kind of go hand in hand with maybe how we sort of see things or kind of handle things can kind of go with like our masculine side as far as like men. So meaning as far as, you know, um, somebody who's maybe 19 years old, you know, who's like they're taught the old school way of living as far as men go. Mm-hmm. And they see somebody like like me who does their nails and, oh, like that's gay. Right? But maybe if they were more mature in the sense of um, it doesn't have to be gay, it, it could be just like a self-care thing that... It's not gay, it's just not for me, but that kind of comes with that maturity. So do you think that they kind of go hand in hand sort of in that kind of aspect?
1: Um no, not necessarily. I think with maturity comes more not always too, but I mean, generally we we do see when people start growing and maturing, they also increase their emotional intelligence. Right. And when we're capable of re- increasing our emotional intelligence, we are learning better how to relate to people, how to relate to our own emotions and our own thoughts. Right. Which, when we learn to do that and we learn to create space for ourselves, we can start learning to create space from, for somebody else. Right. So, I think with maturity comes that emotional intelligence. And then, uh, aside from that, it's also. When you're willing to work on certain aspects of yourself, too.
0: Another question for you: mm-hmm. uh, Have you seen, sort of, in your kind of patient load? I mean, over the years or whatever it is, uh, when you see men, ha- have you seen a difference with sort of how they respond with emotional stress? You know, is it typically different when they were raised by women or my or by men?
1: Um. I would not say necessarily one nor the other. When we're talking more about the raising, what I've typically seen more from the men, it's they could have had attentive parents and they could have had parents who were very dismissive. Usually those who have parents who are very dismissive are going to take longer to maybe build some of that emotional intelligence and more because they often tend to build up other characteristics, right? So when we come into a home that's maybe a little bit more traumatic in nature or somebody who's maybe more dismissive, we're constantly being told your, your feelings are wrong, your thoughts are wrong. To some extent, they're an authority figure and at a younger age, we start often learning, okay, well then we, we trust and believe what they say. So it does implement sometimes this big seed of doubt, right? In, in trying to figure out, well, I feel this way, but they're telling me I'm wrong, so then maybe I, I must not feel this way. I must be feeling something different, right? And it causes a lot of confusion. And in a lot of ways, when we get those dismissive parents, we, we learn people-pleasing tendencies because now we're just trying to placate. every. We're just trying to keep the environment happy and pleasing. But a lot of times when we start doing that, we're putting somebody else's wants and needs before our own. And we start developing the habit to kind of continue to do that. And if we're not cautious, we, we bring that into our other relationships as well. But a lot of it still comes down to is you're putting somebody else's wants and needs before your own, thus actually abandoning yourself, abandoning yourself, your needs, your wants, right? And... If you if they're not meeting your needs and you're not meeting your needs, then what?
0: Yeah, then when you know it's, it's a, it is a push and pull, right? right? So when if one side is not fulfilled, the other side is not fulfilled, then I guess more so what happens, you know, what, what kind of tendencies kind of show what sort of negative? I would think something negative, right? Because obviously, if you're not fulfilled, they're not fulfilled. Who's happy in this scenario?
1: Right. And in, in this scenario, technically, neither person's really happy. If anything, the the person who's getting the people-pleasing given to them, in theory, they're more happy. But in the grand scheme of things, they're not really happy when, when we manipulate and push other people to do the things we want, right? That's generally not coming from a place of health and security because at the end of the day, Abel, well, whose job is it to fix you? Me. Okay, Uh, nobody else can really do that but you. Right. Right? The same in this scenario. The person who even does the people-pleasing, it's nobody's job to fix them but themselves, right? Maybe we learn these things. Maybe we develop these habits. But at some point, it becomes our responsibility to become the author of our own life. At some point, we have to be the one to pick the pen back up and decide how we want to live, You gotta
0: rewrite history, guys. <laughs> Pick up the pen, you know. Finish that. Finish that novel of your life. You know, this is chapter whatever. It's not over yet. You still have time. You still have time to change that ending. So, uh, yeah, I th- I think that we kind of you know touched a lot of good points there as far as it went for the comparison between mothers and daughters to fathers and son. I mean, again, a lot of it is. Like we said, conditioning early on, but I mean, even now you're between the internet and the TV and things like that. We're seeing so many differences as far as how people are raised and how people even like lead their lives. Right. That um, you have no choice but to see the difference. Absolutely. I do have uh, some questions. It is time for our questions. Uh, there's one here that you're going to love. That's why I actually picked it up. All
1: right.
0: Where is me no that, note at, dude?
1: Let's, let us see how this goes. This is this
0: is very this is very minimal. Like this question is very minimal, but it's I know that you get a kick out of it. She or he writes because I don't want to give away the gender. Got it. She or he writes. <laughs> I haven't been happy in a while. I cannot recall the last time I felt like myself, and I want to try to go to talk therapy. How long or how many sessions until I feel better or feel like myself again? Oof!
1: Now, Abel, my dear, I hope who whoever wrote that isn't being offended by you laughing at no, them. Uh, no, no,
0: no, I'm not laughing at them. It's just this is a um. When I read this question, I read it as um. I read it as uh, man. What's the first thing I give? I I read it as. Um, I want to run faster. If I start training, how long until I can run faster? Like it's right. a very open ended. There's no right or wrong answer here, right? Everybody's different, but I'll let you
1: get No, that. no. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that one where every person's different. And I think it really is also a matter of finding the right therapist to work with. If you find the wrong person, they can be very invalidating and unhelpful. So it's really important to, for lack of better words, you know, vet your counselor. Do that little consultation. Ask them the questions that you have. How do you just feel about them in in general? Do you get a good vibe, a bad vibe, right? I've had people come one session. That was all they need. They, They left and we called it a day. Other people... They, they've they gone through a lot of stuff. They've even feel like they, they're good and they don't need to continue counseling, but we'll continue counseling as more maintenance, right? Every person's a little bit different. Some people take a lot longer. Some people, it's a lot shorter. But I always remind people when it comes to our mental health and our, our wellness in general, it's always a journey. Healing's always a journey. Abel, are you happy 110% of the day? No. All right. So then chances are you're going to have some highs and lows, right? So it's important that we recognize that that's the journey too. We we can start feeling better, but tomorrow we might not. And the next day we might, and the next day we might, and then the, the, the following day after that we might not again, right? But what we also do with that counseling, the, the reason we find that it is so helpful because what we learn is we, we learn how to get a better understanding of what we're experiencing. We get a better understanding of how we're thinking and how we're feeling. We understand what our old thought processes are and where we need to develop some new thought processes or build some of our coping mechanisms in order to help us deal with life's difficulties because life is still going to be challenging. It doesn't just, let me snap my finger and make it better because if it was that simple, I would snap my finger... And make everybody happy and healthy, and we'd call it a day, right? But the fact of the matter is, without the lows, we really wouldn't know what those highs feel like, right? Without darkness, we wouldn't know what light is. So it's good. We just go through a process,
0: and that's kind of how I figured you'd answer. Um, and I mean, I my answer is there's so many innuendos in this, you know, process here. Um, but first, before I even answer that. When you said that some people go to therapy one time and they feel Mm -hmm. quote unquote cured, do you believe that that's possible? Somebody can go one time and be, maybe get the answers that they want in that one session?
1: Yes. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Is it very common? No. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I would say majority of the people who come and meet with me by the first session, they're at least feeling a sense of relief. Right. I've got some stuff off my chest. I know, you know, we can continue to hash this out and work on it. Right. So usually after one session alone, a lot of individuals when you're meeting and you have a good fit for a counselor, generally you're going to walk away feeling at least a little bit of relief. Right. Right. Um, But every situation, yes, is going to be quite different when it comes to healing, though. For some, yes, it is going to be that simple. It's one situation, one time experience, what they're going through. But a lot of the times when we're going into therapy, it's something much deeper. It also depends on where somebody's at in that process. Sometimes therapy, we're we're getting individuals who come in. I don't know what's wrong. All I know is I just don't feel myself, Right. right? And my job is to help you discover that, figure that out and help you get to the place you want to be. All right. Right. For somebody who's come in, they understand what that is, they understand the patterns that they're 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 portraying, they're still just struggling to connect it all. That person's gonna be a lot further in that healing process and is gonna allow us to do a lot more work a lot quicker. So every person's a little bit different depending on what the situation and circumstances.
0: So now to answer this question before I do. Nice little gem from Alex there But um, to answer this question Yeah, I think It goes into a lot of what Alex Said, but I mean How much are you willing to open or kind of Sacrifice to kind of get the help you need, right How much are you willing to kind of Divulge, you know, how Often are you willing to go? I think that there's just so many answers in this own question itself that there's not one right answer, right? right. So I feel like there's just so many different kind of avenues someone can take, even if it's not just talk therapy. Right. Um, but, and that, and that kind of actually brings me into my next question. Uh, and I left this question, I was, I wasn't going to ask it, but um, with our podcast coming out after this where i'm meeting with a yoga instructor i wanted to ask you this question Uh, okay what is your take and i mean you can divulge as much as you want what is your take when it comes to medicine as used for um someone's sort of psyche i guess you can kind of say personality or maybe if they're kind of past the uh, I didn't a, want
1: to. that's a loaded question. Okay. Uh, but I love these kind of questions, frankly, because I, I think they're conversations we need to be having. Right. We have to remember that the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies are also a, a for profit mm-hmm. business. It's important that we realize that. Right. Right. Now, when it comes to mental health, there's going to be some situations. Yes. Medication is going to be the best option. But not everybody will it be. And I do think it's important to consider how the person individually feels. For someone like me, I'm not particularly fond of putting unknown substances, chemically produced substances into my body, right? right? I'm more likely to go a more holistic route first, right? See how that option goes for me. Try going those ways before jumping into an option like that, right? I think of somebody like my fiance, right? He tried the holistic alternatives. For him, he wasn't seeing the results we were really needing. So at that point, it was the right time for him to meet with a psychiatrist and get the proper medications for him, right? But this is where every individual is a little bit different. It depends on what what they're facing and experiencing as well. And this is where, again, I think it really comes down to personal choice as well. How do you feel about medications Mm. is an important topic of conversation. And then also just keeping in mind, you know, ask, this is where vetting, vetting your psychiatrist is just as important process too, right? If you're asking to go down on, on certain medications, is there a rhyme and reason they're saying no? Are they saying yes? Do they work with you? Do they want you to stay on only a specific type of medication, right? this is where sometimes getting second opinions is a good alternative as well, you know, but we have to just recognize what it could potentially do to our bodies because each medication is a little bit different. I think of something like, um, say like a colonopin, right? We know that there are also some adverse side effects for something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And how could that affect and be built up in our bodies too? Right. But this is, again, it, it depends on the person, what they're experiencing, and where they're at. Some individuals, you don't need medication on the regular. Some individuals do. And this is where each medication is different. Some are mood stabilizers. Some are are helping with the the chemicals that are being released in our brain. Some of them are doing different things and having different effects on our body, right? So this what I would say uh, might be the equivalent to you know, what's what's maybe um, a, a cold, right? Do you take the cold and flu medication or do you drink your tea with honey and lemon mm. instead? Yeah,
0: and that's, I mean, and to kind of caveat back to her question, her question was, you know, that she's been t- in a therapy for a while and she thinks that she wants to take that, that next step into something psychological because she doesn't feel like, She's, you know, she is gaining or whatever it is, but she's still kind of in those same kind of ways. Right. Okay. So, but she's just kind of scared. So, but I was like, this is a perfect question to ask when I have somebody holistic coming on next week. And I was like, let me ask Alex now and say, right, when do you know when the right time is to take that next step? But I guess it, this is another opinionated question because it's like, right. you you have to know. Right. right. And you even introduced the... Uh, you even introduced just now when you said, you know, about obviously timing, you have to know when it's right, but, you know, do you even feel comfortable, right? Right. Like,
1: Absolutely. If
0: somebody told you, oh, you should do this, like, do I even feel comfortable even, t- you know, taking this, you know, because like, maybe they don't even take it or something like that. How do I feel comfortable taking whatever it is, you know, right. what you mentioned, Klonopin?
1: Right. And just an, an example. So I think of even somebody like my my brother, Right. He has all the classic traits and symptoms of ADD, right? He would probably greatly benefit for something like that, especially when it comes time to getting more focused, right? But he's also lived his entire life without taking that medication. You know, it's not that it's not impossible. There's just going to be times where he's going to struggle with it a little bit more frequently than sometimes maybe he wants to. But this is where sometimes there are other holistic options you know meditating we know is greatly beneficial for the body Um, yoga right there's other natural holistic options out there like a lot of natural medicinal products that are available as well I mean science and research are constantly coming out with new things and so I think it's important per person and per individuals but when it comes to actually getting prescribed meet with a psychiatrist meet with a holistic doctor see what they have to say let them point you in the right direction because each person's a little bit different but we are seeing advance advancements in technology right we are seeing that um there's a new wave of doctors kind of coming forward and trying to do more research on how to match medicine per individual's bodies and how you know their body breaks things down Right, so so we are seeing advancements in technology, and we are going to continue to see those things. I mean, this is where we start even getting into more controversial things like psilocybins, right? Where we're seeing a. Where have I heard that's the that, uh, mushrooms? Psychedel-
0: oh yes, yeah. so that word you said that word that word is that word was in the back of my head from I don't know what I saw a documentary psilocybin 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 psilocybin.
1: So I. That's a gem right there. <laughs>
0: That's a, and we should have that discussion about uh, um, medicinal and different sort of approaches to kind of combating psychological traumas, mm-hmm. right? Because there is definitely a study on certain things, as far as you said for mushrooms mm-hmm. or even you know some other. the. Oh, there, stuff.
1: there's all kinds of research really coming out right now. Um, it's been very difficult. When it, at the end of the day, they're controlled substances and in, in many places. We are just recently starting to see changes of laws and things of that sort. But they've been trying to study a lot of these things for a long time. We're talking about LSD, MDMA, um, marijuana. I mean, it, they are a lot more challenging, though, because there's a lot more hoops for them to jump through in order for them to start researching these things. So actually with legalization of marijuana, we have been seeing an increase in yeah. studying these kind of substances and seeing how they can be effective potentially for mental health. And so there are some promising studies, but again, this is where to each its own. For some individuals, that's going to work. For other people, it's, it's not. Yeah, This is where the, we're starting to even see such a, I think, shift in societal views on something even like marijuana right some people feel very strongly that it's very helpful other people feel very against it right and so we are seeing a lot of research coming from it some positive and some that that's still showing that there needs to be some work done
0: yeah no definitely i agree with that i'm not going to answer that question because i don't feel like i'm qualified anyway so i'm not going to answer that but um Thank you guys for tuning into to episode seven of the Think Forward podcast. Thank you Alex, once again for coming by. It's always a pleasure to have you. Anytime. Next week, we have Miss Nancy, a yoga instructor, who's going to let us know the benefits to mental health as far as it deals with yoga. So thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. And again, happy Pride Month. Stay safe, stay blessed, and keep on thinking forward.